1: Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. This week we take you to a farm in White River Junction, Vermont. We go to the Savage Heart Farm run by Peggy Allen. Peggy is a former uh, lifetime executive and producer and uh, all those different things that you do in media and entertainment that is not farming. She and her husband decided to pick up and leave just uh, a few years ago in 2011. Uh, That world of, of... Suburban life and corporate living to go to chase her dream and make a jump towards being a sheep farmer. <laughs> and that is what we find her doing when we bring her on the show today. It's an incredible conversation around, you know, how she thinks about taking risk and how she thinks about maybe failing but still taking the risk anyway and not looking back. Uh, Peggy has a, a couple gems really around, you know, how you know, this isn't open heart surgery, this is your life, and your life can come back from challenges and hurdles, and if one thing doesn't work, another thing will, will work and will open up, and she has a way of, of really bringing the severity of these decisions that we sometimes feel are so, so serious, bring it down a notch. So, without further ado, I'm going to take you right now to my conversation on our first ever sheep farm with Peggy Allen. Okay, Peggy Allen, welcome to the When to Jump podcast. Thanks so much for coming. My pleasure. So describe where you are right now as we uh, as we do this interview, because it is, I think, a first for, uh, for one of our guests on the show.
0: I am in White River Junction, Vermont, which is about halfway up the state of Vermont on the eastern side. I am about 10 minutes from the Dartmouth College Green, and I am on a 32 acres of land on a sheep farm that my husband and I started six and a half years ago. We are currently wintering over 32 sheep and we will probably have between 20 and 25 lambs, uh, starting around April 10th.
1: Wow. All right. So that is a first for us. We have, we have yet to have a farmer on the show, as you pointed out. What is it? Let's start just in the, the most basic terms. What is it like to be to be a farmer in Vermont and, and having sheep?
0: Well, um, So I'm raising these sheep for their wool. Um, I have, and I'm doing it for the yarn. And so what I'm very interested in is making certain that my sheep, uh, that their fleece remains very clean. Uh, But what I've also discovered is if you're in the wool business, you're also likely in the breeding business. And this may disturb some of your listeners, but it means you're probably also in the meat business because you don't need more than a couple rams to take care of your flock. But, um, It's not difficult. I've had a lot of people say, well, why not chickens and cows? And I'm like, isn't it good enough that I'm raising sheep? Um, We did, when my husband and I had this idea of of doing this, we also included on our search to know that we'd have a property that would have a vacation apartment. So in addition to taking care of the sheep, I also uh, have a vacation apartment that is, um, we have a spectacular 270 degree view of quintessential Vermont setting and we are also, as I said, 10 minutes from Dartmouth, so we get lots of uh, parents visiting their kids from Dartmouth. But the sheep are pretty easy. Once in a while, though, um, like yesterday, we had uh, our shed is where we hold the hay, had been frozen shut for a little over a week, and I tried everything to chiseling it out and whatnot, and my husband ended up buying a blowtorch at Home Depot, and we were you know down on our knees trying to blowtorch the snow and ice away. Um, so it's always a little something new.
1: That was what I was going to ask. Would be what what is something that surprises you about uh, running a farm or being on a farm, or what is something that someone might not think about that you have to consider when you're operating, uh, you know, an, an actual operating farm of livestock.
0: Well, neither my, my husband and I both grew up in suburbs. I, I knew nothing about farming, and although I used to joke with my husband, wouldn't it be cool to have a sheep farm someday? I had no idea what I was talking about. So when we first started it on this venture, everything we were clueless about everything, and and literally when our first lamb was being born, we were basically standing there with sheep books for dummies, trying to figure out, you know, what were we supposed to do? Um, I think the thing that I have I was probably most unprepared for, and I'm I'm going to actually get weepy about it. Um, to have a front row seat to lambing um, is the most extraordinary experience. I just can't explain it, that you're there, you're watching a lamb, often twins being born, and the power of Mother Nature as that mom knows what she's supposed to do, and that baby knows what he or she is supposed to do, and you just, it's it's extraordinary. And uh, we've probably had now, oh, I don't know, north of 100 lambs born here, and it's still... Um, uh, just uh, takes my breath away. Um, and that is nothing I anticipated. I, to be honest with you, never even thought about lambing, although I wanted to experience it. Uh, being, like I said, front row seat was and is incredible.
1: Wow. I'd love to, to go back a bit just to what you said about, you know, this being something that you used to just talk about. And obviously this is a show on on jumping and, and on taking yeah. a risk. And, and And I'd love for you to walk us by how this – how this even came into your being, but maybe even before that, uh, you know, who was Peggy before she was on a farm? What were you, growing yeah. up in the suburbs to uh, to the point when you jumped?
0: Yeah, so I'm um, I'm one of six kids. I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut. My dad was a town lawyer, and it was a typical suburban upbringing. Um, I wanted to get out of New England, and I uh, applied early decision to Carleton College, uh, tested to get out of New England, but that is uh, where I met my husband. He's from uh, a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I think we did what most kids do when they get out of college. Uh, you know, we, uh, Nobody gets married anymore, but we got married right out of college and jumped in, and I got a job uh, at WMAQ, which is the NBC O&O in Chicago, and my husband you know, got a job with a, a a local bank, and we sort of went off on our careers, and uh, we were both 22, and started to get life being really busy, and uh, once we had our, our, our children, um, uh, I we by then had uh, moved to the Boston area, and, and, and it was very challenging to juggle kids and careers, and I used to joke with my husband, wouldn't it be cool someday to have a sheep farm? Because in my mind, a sheep farm would be bucolic, it'd be restful, it'd be beautiful, I mean, that's it. I mean, I had never been to a sheep farm. I just thought it would be cool because I kind of liked to knit and I liked fiber. And he would joke saying, oh, do that with your second husband. Or he'd say, you'd be really bored doing that. And I kind of let it go. I never said anything about it again. um, And we went about our careers. And my career was for the most part in the television industry. I uh, went to work after MAQ. I went to WCVB, which is the ABC station in Boston. Um, got very lucky. I was the executive producer for a, a local variety show called The Good Day Show. Again, you know, I, I did my job well, and I had the opportunity. Well, I, well, let me stop by saying I had a guest on our Good Day Show called Penelope Leach. And if you're young, you may not have ever heard of her. But when the television show 30-something was all the rage... The parenting guru was Penelope Leach, and you'd hear the actors in the script call out, What would Penelope tell us to do? Well, short of it is, Penelope was in my green room. She's from England, and we put her on the show, and she shut the phone banks down. And it was around the same time I'd had my first daughter, and I went into the green room and I said, You know, Penelope, you ought to have your own television show. And long story, trying to keep it short, um, she and I started a correspondence. And I persuaded uh, the ad agency Saatchi & Saatchi to underwrite the show, and I persuaded Lifetime Television to clear it, and I persuaded the Hearst Corporation to let me produce it at WCVB, and um, it changed everything. Uh, all of a sudden, I had put the whole deal together, and I was like, huh, I, I, could, I could do television in a, in a, kind of on a national basis, and I ended up getting an offer to come down to New York and head up original programming at Lifetime Television. That's when life got really nutty um, because I, Todd and I were both commuting into Manhattan. We were, you know, raising a small family, and um, it was it was pretty intense. But I also discovered something about myself, which was that I liked being an entrepreneur. I, I I felt like I was an entrepreneur when I put the Penelope Leach deal together. I thought, you know, this is this is what I like doing. Um, so uh, started my own production company. Did that for a while. And then started a, this is going to sound ridiculous, but then I started a uh, e-commerce site called campusbedding.com with another friend of mine because twin extra long sheets were becoming very vogue and um, ended up writing a book called uh, um, Block Parties and Poker Nights about building neighborhood and community. So I, I kind of am a serial entrepreneur or entrepreneur and and I started running a network for the Disney ABC group called the Live Well Network, which brought me back into television And it was great. Um, Took the network from 23% of the country to 70% of the country. But our kids were grown and gone now, and my husband was sort of bored. And I think we both were like, you know, are we just going to spend our evenings, you know, drinking bourbon and watching hardball for the rest of our lives? We went on vacation in the San Juan Islands in the uh, Labor Day weekend of 2011 and came across 75-year-old Annette raising sheep, visited with her, and Todd said, you know, Annette, you're living my wife's dream. So she went on and on about raising sheep. And as we were leaving, my husband said, you know, if that's a dream you're still hanging on to, I'm willing to go live your dream. And I, you you, you could have knocked me over. And we spent the rest of the vacation with, well, how would we do that? And where would we go? And in under 10 months, we sold our house in Chicago, made three three trips to the Woodstock area, um, found a place we loved and uh, got a flock and we were off to the races, again, Completely clueless about sheep.
1: That's incredible. I, I, <laughs> I mean, there's so many different pieces to pick apart. There. Number one. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I know. <laughs> I that that was a lot.
1: <laughs> no. 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 It was, it's incredible. I think that you achieved so much success and had such a uh, clear path that was paved for both you uh, and for your husband uh, in terms of you know you in kind of media and entertainment and your husband in consulting and management and. It sounds like there was a point where, like you said, uh, what, what's that joke that it's like when when the dog dies and the kids grow up and go out, like then your life begins or something like that. Is that what is that? Was there kind of this, you know, this calm that? that... I
0: think it's a little bit. Of, I think it's a little bit like that. I think that from the outside, people will go. Well, let me also say that when we made the decision to do this. Uh, I did not tell anyone. I didn't. I had a new boss by then, and I we we kind of went about it very, very quietly, looking about it. And my my friend and boss Emily Barr had moved on to Graham Media, and so my new boss was Rebecca Campbell. And I had a, a regular meeting with her, and I flew out, and I I um, was catching her up on things and this and that. And I had a very specific 90-minute slot with her, and about halfway through, I said, Rebecca, I I have to tell you. Um, I love this job. I, I'm going to stick with my contract. But when the contract's up, my husband and I, we really need to hit the reset button and we're going to move to Vermont and start a sheep farm. And, and she, she just looked at me and said, well, didn't you bury the lead? And she said, why Why are you leaving? And I said, well, it's we we need to do this for our marriage, I think. And I think we need it for for having a, a, a place to move forward. And she said, will you give me a couple days? And she came back and she said, uh, you know, you have a virtual job anyway. You're producing shows all over the country. You're managing the engineering department, which is in Fresno. You're managing the, the marketing, which is out of New York. If you're willing to do it from a hillside in Vermont, you can take the job with you. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I had, you know, I had to have high-speed internet, and I still had to you know, be willing to travel. So, but for the first two and a half years after we moved to White River Junction, I was still um, vice president of operations and programming for the LiveWell Network. Um, but it was hard because uh, sometimes I didn't feel like I lived in Vermont until I got to the weekends because of the time zone differences. But um, let's just say I had an extremely soft landing.
1: But that's so great that you were able to find that middle ground so that it wasn't necessarily, I mean, maybe emotionally for others, it could be financially. There's this way that's a gradual shift rather than just a start and then a stop that can be pretty stark.
0: Right. And I think that it, that came about, I, you know, to be honest with you, for two reasons. One is I had done for the Live Well Network things they'd never thought were going to be possible. So, uh, I I was in very good stead, if you will, with my boss. And I wore so many hats. I think I you know they, I was extremely well compensated, but I guess in some ways you could argue I was a bargain. Um, and Rebecca was very good to me. Um, I don't know that any I, I don't know of many bosses that would have allowed that. Um, so I am eternally grateful for her letting me ease into this. And I think the other was that my husband and I both said to each other, you know, this is radical. We, we have no idea what we're doing and what it's going to be like for the first time to live nowhere near a, a big city. And we both just agreed if either one of us doesn't like it, you know, all right, we'll, we'll stop. But let's give it a try because if we don't do it now, we won't do it. At the time that we were on the San Juan Islands meeting 75-year-old Annette, we were both 54 years old. So it was sort of, sort of. if if not now, when, because, um, you know, sheep, are, I, I could not do the sheep without my husband. They're, they're big animals, and they have four legs, and I don't.
1: <laughs> what do you ascribe meeting Annette to be like? I mean, it sounds like that was a really big turning point that you just so happened to meet her.
0: If we had not met Annette, we would not be here, period, because Annette uh, just... Not only did it just sort of ironically oh this is what my my wife always talked about the setting she was living in um, her way of talking about what the sheep meant my my husband at one point said well what did your husband think and he was a retired engineer from Boeing she said well as soon as he got the tractor he was fine I was like okay duly noted we will be getting a tractor Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so no, there's no question there was, a, you know, I don't know if you, what you, you know, spiritual moment, the serendipity, but there's no question if we had not met uh, uh, Annette, we would not be here. But I would also want to say, I think the other thing that I came to recognize about myself is that I, I've always, I've taken risks. I've, I, you know, would to, you know, in some ways you could argue just leaving the East Coast to go to Carleton, nobody was doing that. Uh, um, back in 1976, they, you know, every all everybody I knew in, in high school was going to East Coast schools. I was like, nope, I'm getting out of here. Um, the the idea that I would, you know, walk into the green room and convince a, a parenting guru to have her own television show and then figure out how to put the deal together. I I came up with a book idea and I I had a connect and I have no problem working connections. By the way, um, people talk about you know oh well you know aren't you embarrassed? Hell no! If you got a Rolodex, use it. If you don't have one, find someone who does. Um, when I had this idea for a book, I knew the woman who used to be head of marketing for the Food Network. And uh, I told her, I I think there needs to be a book on how to build neighborhood, because I think a neighborhood is alive and well in in the United States, but Madison Avenue doesn't know it. And she said, oh, here's the name of a woman over at Clarkson Potter. You should pitch her the book. So I, you know, went and met this woman I never met, and I said, I want to pitch you a book. And I pitched it, and she said, never heard of a pitch like that. I'll take it, and gave me an advance. Wow.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like there's a bit of just going for it, right, in in this type of story, like just making that extra call, just shooting that extra email to see where the next card will fall.
0: Yeah, so I'd say one of the things that then happened when we got here is, I mean, when I tell you we were clueless, the the first day the sheep arrived, we had some portable electric fencing, which we had been told would be just fine, you know, just make a circle in your backyard because we didn't have, you know, (laughs) because <laughs> we didn't know any better. So, literally, in the backyard of the house, we had, we started with, with I think it was 10 uh, sheep. And, um, you know, my parents, my our kids, they couldn't believe it. So, everybody was up. And since the human beings wanted to say hello to the sheep, we turned off the electric fencing and went inside. And most of our sheep that we had bought were lambs. But because I really wanted to go through lambing, we also had um, two girls that were about three years old. And they looked at what was going on and they were like, uh uh-uh. uh. And they walked right through the fencing and down the driveway, cue the rain, cue the sunset. Wow. And we're just standing there going, what happened? What's going on? And they were gone for five nights, and we had to meet all of our neighbors by calling. I had to call the Hartford police, uh, White River Junction's part of Hartford, Vermont. And I'm calling the police saying, I'm calling to report two missing sheep. Fine, ma'am, what do they look like? I couldn't believe it. So we're walking up the driveways of of our neighbors saying, have you seen some sheep? I mean, it was a great way to introduce ourselves. And we, have on the the sixth day, got a phone call from Bonnie Latham about a mile and a half away saying, we've got your sheep. We'd been running around every time. And, um, you know, of course, by the time we get there, they're gone. They don't come when you call. But Bonnie ran a horse farm and the sheep were fond of horses. And so she got them in their corral and we got them back and... Of course, we thought we were going to put them back out and the, the, the somebody, in the neighbor who knows something said, oh, no, 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 no. You got to put them in your barn and let them settle down. We said, we don't have a barn yet. It's coming. We're going to have a little shed. Well, you can't put them back. So we put them in our garage where they, you know, did their duty for three days all over the floor while we <laughs> waited for our shed to get delivered.
1: And in moments like that, did you ever regret doing this decision, making this jump?
0: No. This is from... I want to say from the moment we got here, uh, this has exceeded our expectations just exponentially. Having said that, there have been times that have been very, very trying and difficult when you lose a sheep, when you feel you might have been responsible for the loss of the sheep. Um, There are times when it's last January, it was with the windshield, it was negative 30 and the tractor was broken and I had to get it fixed because I had to get the hay into the, into the, area with the girls and I'm you know cursing myself because I don't I don't know why the tractor's broken and I'm talking to the service station coming in and out of the house and I'm furious with myself for being so ignorant about John Deere tractors but you know okay muscle through it and you just sort of said look I made this bed figure it out when we first had to slaughter lambs on property I was hiding in the house the next year when we were slaughtering lambs I said you know come on strap it on you if this is what you're going to do you gotta you gotta be there for it and I was so unprepared for it. Um, so to, to your question, it, it, it's been an extraordinary adventure. Um, no regrets whatsoever. It's critical that my husband, uh, he ended up getting a job with Mascoma Savings Bank, which is a very beloved uh, uh, community bank in the area, and they have a wealth management division. And so financially, uh, you know, knowing that we have health care benefits was key. He uh, took a year off to help you know, sort of set the, the farm up. Um, while I was still working full-time for Disney. So, you know, we both sort of, you know, divided up the work and realized, you know, what do we need to be able to financially be up here? Um, but, man, we've had the, the bright sunshine on us for the six and a half years we've been here.
1: That's, that's amazing. And, and it, it does seem like it takes a team to make this possible.
0: It does. It I'll tell you the other thing it takes, and I... Um, I think it's true with whatever kind of farm you want to start, especially if it's going to involve livestock, is finding mentors. I mean, you can try and read everything you can in a book, but if um, some folks in the area who had been doing sheep for 25, 30 years had not been available to help us, um, (laughs) we would have done a lot more damage. Um, There's a Vermont Sheep and Goat Association listserv, and you can put a problem out on it at 8 in the morning and at 8.02 you know, people have been doing sheep forever. will start posting recommendations and have you tried this? Have you tried that? We have a daughter who's a veterinarian and a lot of people say, well, when you have a problem, do you, you call your, your daughter? And we're like, yeah, no, because <laughs> she always goes to worst case scenario right off the bat. Whereas area sheep farmers, you know, kind of coax you through and give you suggestions and uh, their help uh, was invaluable. Um, as were the we're in an area where it's sort of Dartmouth College professors and hay farmers and the hay farmers around us um, have saved our tush uh, innumerable times, and I think the key is to not show up thinking you know anything. It, if, you, if you stay humble and say thank you, uh, certainly at least in the state of Vermont, um, you just can't get over the generosity of the, the people in this space.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's so critical. It seems like to have this this lifeline and this foundation. Um, it and and yet uh, the question I had was, do you ever think of what would have happened if you didn't meet Annette those, you know years back uh, on vacation?
0: You know, Mike, that I'm not wired that way. I don't. Um, I don't play that. What if? So it's a it, it's a question I I can't answer because I I, I haven't any idea. I will say for people who are contemplating a jump that would involve farming, one of the things that we didn't anticipate is what it is like to live away from, a, you know, a major city. So we lived in Boston, New York, and Chicago, the suburbs of all three, and they're all they're pretty similar. Uh, you know, watch kids to go to good schools, blah blah blah. But when you're living in suburbs, in my opinion, you don't have to worry about how things are getting done because you're doing your commute and you're worrying about your kids and you might volunteer a little here or there but when you live in a place like what's referred to as the upper valley which is this cluster of towns on the connecticut river there's no shadow of a mighty metropolis and so if you don't volunteer for the fill in the blank who will and so both my husband and i find ourselves um you know i'm on the norwich farmers market and uh, a board and i'm on i i teach um Uh, sewing uh, on Wednesday afternoons, and I'm on five other boards just trying to help people out. And if you had told me that my husband would read aloud to a third grader every Thursday afternoon, I would have said, uh, you haven't met my husband. And indeed, for the last four years, my husband does read aloud uh, at a local elementary school, because if he doesn't, who will? The, The permission, the need, the jump in and be part of the community is it's just such a different vibe than when you live in a suburb of a major city. So for those who are listening, it might encourage them to make the, to make the jump.
1: <laughs> no, I I, I believe in it. I'm I'm biased, but I was just telling someone yesterday, separate from our conversation about getting you on the show, that you know, there are just certain benefits of being in a in a small town and and kind of more of a more rural environment where you know, there's just yeah, there's there's a certain type of way of life that is, um, you know, not better or worse, just different than um than than other places. And um, I guess I would end Peggy with with, you know, this has been fascinating and so truly inspirational. I think for people at all different stages of their career because if you're, if you're not making that jump, if you're not you know at the, at, at that point where you're ready, you, you can be thinking about okay, well, what would I do? When would I do it? And I, I would I would love for you to leave maybe the the listeners with with words of of maybe your own wisdom, you know, advice you'd give, whether it's to go into a farm or make a move or, or start a new hobby or a second career or, or just in general, you know, what have you learned that you'd love to tell folks?
0: Well, if you're with a partner, you got to have the dialogue. You got to have dialogue. You got to be talking because if you sort of play it out in your own mind, but you're not letting your partner know, you could go farther down the path than, and, and your partner hasn't gotten a chance to catch up. So I think if you have that uh, urge to make a, a shift and you have a partner in your life, you you, you should <laughs> clue them in. Um, I think the other is what's what would stop you? I mean, what? what um, it's not open heart surgery. It's just your life. You're just going to you're going to do it. And if it doesn't work, you'll do something else, and you're going to be okay. Um, I I believe in myself. I'm a survivor. Um, and I think that if you can feel that way about yourself, you'll, you know, you don't have to over-research it. My, when I first told my sister of thinking of this, she goes, oh, don't, no, no, you know, you, they have these, uh, apprenticeships. You should do the apprenticeship first to see if you really like it. Uh, nope, I don't think so. So, um, I, I you know, I, I believe in the title of, you know, when you're going to do it, Jump. Jump all in, experience it, and if it doesn't work, you can jump again. I guess that would be my two cents.
1: Oh, that's, well, no surprise, but I believe that too. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I love that line. It's it's not exactly open-heart surgery. And I think that that's what we've seen time and time again is you make one move this way, things turn, the current moves, you move with the current that way, and life goes on. And it's just an incredible story. Where can folks find out more about you and your husband and the farm?
0: Our, Our farm is called Savage. Heart H-A-R-T farm, and we have a website which is Savage Heart Farm. Um, on that site, uh, we have been chronicling our adventures, our stupidity, our our painful times with a <laughs> with a blog uh, that's called U-E-W-E. You, you don't know sheep. Um, so either enjoy the blog or just come visit the site. We have a gallery of uh, pictures of our setting and um, and our critters. Amazing. And come stay with us. The the apartment's here. Come, come, come enjoy what is the, the most spectacular setting you'll see in Vermont, in my opinion.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I can vouch for it because I've been in that part of the woods, and I'll be back there at some point soon, and I, I plan to stay and meet you in person. I, I want to give a shout-out to Marion B. in Chicago for introducing us. Very, uh-huh. very kind through, I think, a third-degree connection and uh, – once we heard your story we we knew we had to get you on so peggy allen from white river junction vermont hailing from our first uh on location at a sheep (laughs) farm uh (laughs) set for the interview today thank you for joining the when to jump podcast
0: thanks for the opportunity take care
1: All right, that will do it for the When to Jump podcast. I hope you enjoyed our first ever visit to a sheep farm and a farmer on the show, Peggy Allen, truly a wonderful person and a jumper through and through. You can find out more about Savage Heart Farm at savageheartfarm.com. That's S-A-V-A-G-E-H-A-R-T-F-A-R-M.com. And for more on us, you know where to find us at com. That's W-H-E-N-T-O-J-U-M-P.com. We love hearing from you all. Shout out to Mariam B. in Chicago. For the tip that led us to Peggy really appreciate that and all of your countless leads that you send in and for all of you who have shared your jumps please keep them coming it is such a, a privilege and a joy to get to, to hear them and we, we really do believe that uh, it's a great responsibility here to, to send out more stories and send out insights and guidance uh, like ones from uh, from Peggy who you heard from today so send them in whentojump.com at when to jump on social my name is Mike Lewis and I'll see you next week